are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again, Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, and uh, just right off the top here, first and foremost, happy birthday, sir. Thank you. Yep, and I'm not going to belabor this. We'll move on. (laughs) Uh, So, did want to mention right off the top of the show, uh, once again, I did it last week. Uh, we are premiering episodes on our YouTube channel, Sundays, 8 o'clock. We're trying to do that to tell your friends. <laughs> Anyways, no time getting into the fact that I'm past my prime. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> from play, I, I mean from player standpoint. 30 is the new 25? Listen, we'll take it. Uh, so I just know that to be the age that for, for players' careers, the back nine starts. That's fair. You know, but as a reporter, I, I you know, I don't. Yeah, right. I, I well, sure. I hopefully have many, many years ahead in Decades. that area, and and certain certainly, I don't feel, I don't feel that way. You know, I, I don't feel that's good. The, the way that the number is supposed to make you feel, I don't feel thirty. So, well, that's good to hear. Young at heart. Good. I yeah, I woke up feeling good. So, as so good this as, team like, hasn't aged you decades. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, you know. Let's just look. The, the gray hair thing runs in my family anyway, so I it's it, that's an inevitability for me. But they, I feel like they're coming in faster over the last couple of years. I'll tell you that much. Man, how about over the last couple of weeks? The Flyers, ever, like, like, like in like in all seriousness, like when have you yeah. like when you watch somebody in a high ranking position in general, and I don't want like whether it's a president, whether it's somebody who the aging is incredible the amount of aging that they do in a span of so many years because of the stresses of what you're doing is just crazy and it's it's wild like i I think i made that comment the other day not not from my standpoint but i even said like i I talked about how my claude drew looks like the oldest 34 year old on the planet because the way like not in the sense that he can't play we know he can play. He actually like he made a ridiculously smart play in Saturday's game, for what yeah. it's worth. But it like he sits down to go and talk, and you can like see almost see the age on his face, like the wear on his face. Like the man has seen some stuff. Yeah, like it. it <laughs> they're they're hard miles on Claude Giroux, and oh yeah, par- part are. of those hard miles include setting a franchise record this week. Uh, are we ready to dive into the team? Are we going to dive into the team, or should we just get to the again? Yeah, this is a third week in a row. I'm going to say this: the, the uh, just get to the, the big story today is the action news line. Are we just going to get into the big story, which was mo- not even really the games, but the press conference? I mean, we can do either or. I mean, let's put it this way: here's what we can say. This one happened first. Yeah, let's let's touch on that. Um, Technically, for for what it's worth, the press conference was announced like Monday morning, right? Like roughly, like it was it was very well documented somewhere in the range of because what what, I'm trying to remember their timeline completely in my head here for a minute. They had played. We did our show. They had played last Saturday, I believe. Right. And had lost again, obviously. Yeah. So by that point, they came into the our, our recording of last week's show that would have been 11 that was 11 yeah believe me they, they start to blend together At one point in time i wrote the preview and wrote that they had already lost 14 oh, no. at, at, in the beginning i corrected it before i got there but i started to type 14 because like you start to they do start to blend together yep. so they had they had just that's right because they had just lost to buffalo and the about the only 
the only positive that we took away from the thing, at least that I did, was, hey, the thing started at 1 o'clock that day, so you had all afternoon to just jump it out of stuff. Because right. I think we had even talked about, like, and this is, we did this Sunday morning, by the way, last week. So we didn't even know what, kind, like, or at least I didn't, what kind of day of football was ahead on Sunday afternoon. But Saturday night, watching football after watching the Flyers lose for the 11th straight time, or was that a, no? That was ten. I'm sorry, right? No, it was Buffalo it was eleven. That's right. Okay, it, I, now I'm getting confused. They picked up all twelve those. and thirteen on Monday and That's Tuesday right. to set the That's franchise right. okay. record. It's it. I'm all over the place with it, yep. and you know, we're we're using too many numbers at the start of the show. We already hit with the thirty number, and now we're hitting with numbers that keep going that for the longest time kept going up because the, the thing with Saturday was that they had a shot to do something. And I don't look, I'm sure somebody out there would have had the numbers ready to go, but they had a shot to do something on Saturday that I don't recall ever being done in recent memory for sure. I mean, let's just say it, it was already a franchise record losing streak. So I don't know if they've ever gone winless in a month, unless that month was say February when they used to have like all-star breaks and Olympic breaks thrown oh, in right. the middle. Like, if they only played eight games in a month, yeah, maybe it's possible that they went a whole month without winning a game. But to say that they had this four, would have been a real calendar month. Well, to say that they had, I guess, what would it have been? Because if they would have lost that game, the streak would have been fourteen. But that would have been thirteen games in the month of January. Because the, the streak technically started on December thirtieth, right? So that would have been to have thirteen games in the middle of like in an entire month and to come out of it possibly without a single win it's and, impressive and, and, not in a good way well right but you know and then and, and and how close did it come to being that i mean they're they're coming in on the final couple minutes they have the lead they've had the lead the entire time pretty much from what seven minutes eight minutes into from the game early until, on. until we're into the final minute of regulation and you you could just see it. You could just see it coming like this. You know, the pressure's on. You can feel L.A. making their push. L.A.'s not a, a bad team. They're like, I, I wouldn't call them great, but they're, they're okay. They're on they're, the rise. They're doing they're all right and, in a bad and, Pacific division. And the, Well, and they're up and coming because when you look at the number of young guys, I mean, like Kaliev had an assist. By, Quentin Byfield just scored his first goal a couple of nights ago prior to this game. Almost got so, a second, too. Yeah, it did come pretty close a couple times. So, like, you, you sit there and you look you look at that. Like, they've got youth. Oh, you know who else had an outstanding game for L.A. that was all over the place? His name was mentioned, I don't know how many times on that broadcast. Sean Dursey had an outstanding Sean Dursey game. did have an outstanding game. Outstanding game on Saturday. Like, he was really good. All, Part all of the game. Jake Muzzin to Toronto trade, I believe. Or was yeah. it? Nope, that's, uh, that was okay. it, I believe, yeah. Because well, it was either Muzzin or Campbell. No, he the, was, okay. he was I, I believe it was the Muzzin deal because he okay. was... He was definitely originally a Toronto draft pick that was shipped out to LA because that was a whole big deal, too, because he's from that area. He's from Toronto, like or the Toronto area. So he was drafted by his hometown and shipped out of town. And then, well, look, they you got to know that they're a team that's going to go for it on a regular basis. So it's not that one wasn't a shock. But I I guess the best thing we can start with is that, yes, even though this, this record was set, you got three close games. I mean, is that is that something to take away from? I mean, this could have ended all three times they played this week. That's fair. Yeah, like there was that opportunity was there all three times this week. They played Dallas on Monday. You got a one-one game. Get into the later stages. You're starting to think about overtime. 
because yep. you're down to under five to go. So you're starting to think about overtime. And it was, I forget exactly how much time was left, but it was down to under four for sure. It was about three something left maybe. And I'll tell you what, I know that in the moment, it, most people didn't know it went in the net, that shot from Jacob Peterson. Yep. I was not full disclosure. I, I I said this to you before we started recording. I did not make it to the game on Saturday to cover him, which which is probably the reason. Understandable. Why, which is probably the reason why they won the game. But you know, all things considered. Um, but I, I my vantage point up in the press box on Monday night, specifically, that I I knew it was in. I could see it. I had it on uh, like right off the bat. And Fair I, enough. And and. and the officials blew play dead pretty much immediately, so it wasn't like they had to reset the clock by too much. I think they reset it to something like 325, right? which was only adding like four seconds. But So credit to them, I guess, for also stopping play really quickly after like to realize, hey, we think there might be... One of them goes, was that in? And the, the others go, yeah, I think it was. Well, okay, let's somebody call on, it. Somebody on Dallas celebrated like it was yeah. in. And I was sitting up there going like I like I think you got to stop I think that went in I, I'm pretty sure that that went in because it looked like that looked weird something didn't look right right to keep this thing going so I'm I'm like this looked yeah that looked like it, it was looked in. yeah and, sure. and and it, and it was and clearly you know and and we were just talking about this before we started like goals like that when you're in the middle of a streak like that especially when you're tied in a game they're backbreakers it just you you know immediately it's over. Yep. Like the game is probably like it, it, that. There's there's not there's no coming back from that one. The, not at this that team isn't. Game. This team isn't overcoming that. It's just not right. happening. So they end up. So they lose to Dallas. I mean, and, and there was an empty netter added on. Sure. I believe. Um. I believe Joe Pavelski had, that, Joe had, Pavelski. had that empty netter. Which, yep. which by the way, he's the type of guy. Like he's one of these guys right now that I look at for a team. Like, and Dallas isn't a great team either by any stretch of the imagination. Dallas played on. Friday night, I believe, this past week, where they uh, they they have they had see they had their big you know ceremony for the year. So Sergey Zubov gets his number retired. They're playing Washington, and Washington proceeds to drop like four on Braden Holpe in the first period. Yeah, like Braden Holpe did not have a good night against his former team in any way, shape, or form. Um, either way, so they're not a great team. But like you look and you sit there and go, Joe Pavelski is their leading scorer. Probably gonna get some buzz for the deadline, like good buzz, because he's yeah. he's got that veteran presence and can help a team. Like it was, it, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty impressive to watch him at his age still do it. You know, like he's he's up there now too, where his career is starting to wind down. This that that era of San Jose guys who were, you know, part of that core group that got to the final and all that stuff. Like, man, Mark, I don't I don't know if Dallas is sellers at the deadline. By the way, they might not be because say, well, they're, they're uh, because, two points out of the playoff. Race. Right. Because of the path to the playoffs, you're probably right, which 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 is what makes as we're going to talk about later. So it makes makes Claude Drew so much more valuable oh, because when you're a team that knows where to go with it, you're going to get like this is why I think people look and go, are you sure you're going to get as much as they think they're going to get from from that deal? They might because there's Claude not going to be guys who are moved because there's going to be enough teams to say we got a shot. Colorado's looking at a Stanley Cup. They are, and I, I don't know if well, they, they have the money or if they have the assets to make a, a significant trade or if they're willing to move guys like, you know, an Alex Newhook or something you, like that. You can help the money for a lot of teams with retention in this situation. For sure. Absolutely. Um, no doubt about that because 
Well, I don't no, think they're worried about like, the cash. I think they're worried about the cap space. Well, I agree, but but retention will help with that for sure. Like it, you, if you can cut that number in half because it's only the last what are we talking about? That point, of it six or weeks of the season. Yeah. yeah, I think you can find a way to make it work a little bit. And I, and for what it's worth, everything that I hear along the lines of this thing. You're, it's going to involve somebody who's on an active NHL roster. It's not just okay. going to be f- a futures deal here. It's going to involve something that helps you in the here and now a little bit, or at least that you are going to give a shot to see. Like Something and, and, you can aggressively retool with? Yeah, but like... Well, we'll get into all that later, but... Yeah. But like... And I don't want to because I don't want to sell it this short because I think he's he's going to be worth more of a player than this particular guy. But it's a little bit like Wayne Simmons for Ryan Hartman a little bit like you're going to get somebody back. I think you're going to get better than Ryan Hartman, I would imagine. But you're not going to get you're not getting anybody fantastic. You're not going to trade him to Colorado and magically make Kale McCarr appear, right? Like, let's be real. Or even, you know, Gabe Landeskog. Like, it's not that's not going to happen right now. Regard okay, so regardless, let's uh, let's uh, go back into these games for just a brief moment because I want to yeah. spend too much time on the games that got them there or whatever. So that was Monday, and they score, you know, it's over, that kind of deal. The same, not even the same thing, because there was never a, like much of a lead involved when you're in a one-one game the whole way, right? And and they did give up the first goal, by the way. So it wasn't until and and the, and the only goal that they scored, by the way, in the Dallas game. Was a weird bounce. Was a bounce. They got a lucky, lucky bounce for Ivan Provorov to get a goal. Now you go to the Islander game. And they spot... This is the thing I love about this. The Islanders essentially spot them a 2 nothing lead. Not like by... Well, at the beginning by fluke because... What was it? 50 seconds into the game, Claude Giroux scores from like... The goal line? Yep. So they get a goal like that. Then they get another goal because Justin Braun has one go off of Andy Green's skate. Yep. So it's 2 nothing. Some weird ones in that game. Now, here's the thing. They had a game relatively recently. I think it was a San Jose game at home where they were up 2 nothing, and I think the exact same thing happened where it was about a minute later they give one back. Okay. Which which is what makes you start thinking. Like if they carry two nothing, it's the first period of the game. If they carry two nothing to the final couple minutes of the first period or into the second, you're thinking differently. Absolutely. The problem was that they gave up the goal the first one right after, like fifty seconds after. Yep. It was a response goal. So now Noah Dobson gets the Islanders on the board, and as you're sitting here watching that like you're kind of just waiting for the moment and and i mean what a play that barzel makes to use his speed creates a two-on-one sets up anders lee with a nice pass there's a minute 45 seconds left in the first period and you're back to square one tie game you know like right off the bat and you know the thing this was one of the things that you know look i'm not going to sit here and act like we don't know what the team is on ice right now. Like we get this. I I still just do not get how a team can go out there and have a good no a good start like to two nothing, eight shots on goal. The shot totals are nine eight at the end of the first period. You're in a two two game. It's a competitive. You, game. you have lost eleven straight to that or twelve straight to that point. So you're looking at the the record is looking you in the face at this point, and you look like you might avenge that 
with a 2-0 start only to give it back. So now you're in a tie game. Everything's back on the table again. And for the rest of the game, uh, like, seriously, the rest of the game, nine shots. Yep. That's it. Nine. As, That's as what a team get, playing on the back foot looks like. Right. As you get dominated by a team like the Islanders, who are not very good in their own right. But, right. But, you know, and and here was the funny thing. There were multiple times in that game that despite the shot differential, despite the way that things were playing out, yeah, I thought it was going to be over that night to an extent because 3-2 th- going into the third period, you're trailing. You think it might be over even then because – well, they're trailing into the third period. I mean, the momentum's on the Islanders' side, clearly. Right. You know, it's probably going to go that way. And then Jerry Mayhew scores. And you go, oh, well, tie game. Oh, tie okay game. Okay, then. Right. You know, and for the longest time, like, they were really still in that game because it's a tie game. And you're also sitting here thinking about the possibility of overtime again because, you know, and we'll get to this when they win a game, you know, overtime – presents opportunities in different ways so with that much space on the ice you're going all it takes is one crazy mistake by the other side and you've got an odd man rush and you might score yep. and that could be the end of it there's no rhyme or reason to why somebody wins or loses most of the time in overtime because it's, it's just because it's just orchestrated chaos yep. that's what three on three is supposed to be so to sit there and look at that and go most of the third period yeah the five minutes that could be to come is going to slightly favor the Flyers, not in the sense that they might have a better shot of winning the game, but you go, at least as, as compared to their opponent, I'm saying, but but in terms of, it's a free-for-all. Yep. So you don't know what you're going to get. If it gets to a shootout, yeah, I think I know who it favors. And if it, you know, and if Not it, the Flyers, spoiler you know, alert. And there's a lot of time left in regulation for it to go wrong, as we had seen the night before. You know, all it takes is something with two, three minutes left, and it is still game over. The yep. sad part, the sad part was, is that it didn't happen with two or three minutes left. It happened with like eight, and it still was game over, it, and we yeah. knew it. You know, because yep. we've just watched this team over and over and over. They give up that goal, and they don't bounce back, and they just kind of fold. And we saw that over a lot of those thirteen games, honestly. Uh, Saturday, we finally saw, you know, them not do that, <laughs> I guess. And there's really not a whole lot to talk about here, but I... No, I, I will say one you, thing, and I, 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 I came very close to jinxing it, I will say, because I did put this out there in the Twitterverse for a moment, because Cam Atkinson scored to give them the... Well, to make it 2 nothing, and then that held on as... At least in the for a little while that held that held on as the goal that was lined up to be the game winner, and then and then he scored again shorthanded. And one of the things I pointed out was like, listen, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat a lot of things about this this whole thing. And we're going to get in, like right after we do this, we're going to get into the press conference, yep. which is the bulk of the whole show. We're going to have to talk about because that was the bigger story than anything else that happened on the ice this week. If there's been one player. You know, last year we talked about Shane Goss' bear like this. We would go, hey, listen, you know what? Whether you love him or hate him, his performance is good or bad, doesn't matter what you're getting. He sits down in front of the media, and he is telling it like it is. He's not shying away from just saying what he feels right now. And yep. people loved the honesty. Like, people were disappointed when he got traded, not because of the fact that, like, oh, he's, you know, like, what are you doing trading a player like that? That wasn't the issue. But people did love the fact that he was honest. People yep. loved that. He was and, a straight shooter. And Cam Atkinson has probably been the most forthright and honest the entire losing streak. Yep. Just about 
how much it sucks, about how much, you know, how difficult it is to get out of, about all sorts of things. You know, and, and one of the few guys who you're sitting here going, he's, you know, what, what he's saying is not BS. He's not feeding you lines. Something, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't throw a cliche or two in there every so often, but he's not feeding you a lie. He's really telling you honestly, you know, like down to like he, he came out and said the thing several it was several weeks ago now i believe but when he sat there and said something about you know what we give up a goal and the bench was deflated i think it was the columbus game right you know which was a couple weeks back give up a goal yeah the bench was deflated from there and it really we never really got it back good for you for saying it because that's the type of stuff people want to hear they don't want to hear well we were trying really hard and we ended up just coming up a little short we're getting there it's going to happen and you might believe that he might believe you know it's going to happen at some point but the guy who literally told it like it is, yeah, we get deflated. We know what the number, like, yeah, that's another one. We know the number. We know what the record is when we give out the first goal. Right. You know, to say that, too, is important. And he basically almost single-handedly willed them to the win that snaps the 13-game losing streak because of the fact that he has not only two goals, but then gets the assist on the game winner in overtime. So he was heavily involved. And, you know, there's going to be enough stuff where we are going to talk about within the press conference. I've mentioned multiple times in our group chat after the fact, because certainly we all had opinions on what we had just witnessed, um, that there is a kind of there is a sort of plan in place. You know, how much of this they execute is more uh, like obviously it's up to them. I mean, I, I don't know their exact plans word for word here but there is a course of action that's relatively easy to define because you can read between the lines of stuff that's being not just stuff that being that's being said but you you start to know who's safe and who's not right i don't envision cam atkinson being vulnerable at any point in time moving forward you acquired the guy because he shoots first you acquired him as a veteran leader and He's your leading scorer this season in terms of goals. Um, and he's got three years left on his contract beyond this, but I don't think that that's a guy who you're disappointed about having to mentor anybody who is under 25. Right. Like, you're expecting Cam Atkinson to be fantastic in your room for any sort of well, and, and transition time we have. And here's the thing. you know, Joel Farabee, we talked about last week because he's hurt. He hasn't played for a little bit. But for a little while there, they were the two. Like, if you were, if there was anybody you weren't questioning effort on, they were the two. Their line was consistently the best line and, on the team, and he still is part of one of the most consistent groups. I mean, oh, about, yeah. about the only line that had a better performance specifically yesterday, if I'm going to go off of that, was honestly the the um, Wilman Frost Mayhew line. <laughs> that line because, was buzzing because they're buzzing, and that at the very minimum. That's something that you can deal with. You can deal with buzzing. You know, like yep. you need to have some sort of energy. Yeah. Somebody needs to, you know, actually want to show up to work when you've lost 11, 12, 13 straight, you know. And the they're the guys that I'm sure they were buzzing in the locker room too, keeping spirits up, playing, you know, whatever. The problem is for the last four games of said losing streak and the yeah. one that snaps it, you, you kind of can't have 
like I, I don't know if he's actually the leading scorer, but I'm going to say it like he is because it feels like he's got a lot. You can't have Jerry Mayhew leading your team in goals. <sighs> he's got, he's three got three over three the last week and a half. Five. Yeah. Three in the last five games, which let's just, I, I might be able to find that out by now because they usually post this stuff. Is he okay? He's tied because Drew has three. Oh no. <laughs> Like you, can, but you can't have that situation. Let's be clear about that. So, so you're in like, but you're in a spot, and, and then finally Scott Lawton's the one who scores the goal in overtime, wins the thing. But that comes after the goal with 37 seconds left by Andre Kopitar that ties the game back up. Because that's the thing, Atkinson goes down and scores. It's three one. There was what? That was far beyond, too much time left. There was far too much time left. But you're at the midpoint of the period. There was about 11 minutes left. Yeah. And you're sitting there looking at the way that L.A. has played, the way Carter Hart had played that day. Because Carter Hart was – here's the thing about Carter Hart during this losing streak. There's also an element and, – and it's a shame that I wasn't able to be there yesterday because of the fact that it's a question – They first of all, first time in like six weeks they went back to in-person post-game at, at the center at least. The road, road games they had done a little bit of, and they made the press conference middle of the week an in-person deal, which I was not able to be there in person, so I was shut out from questions, but beside the point. Um, I would have probably, like, one of the things I wanted to ask Carter yesterday was kind of, you know, we can sit there, like, Mike Yale gets asked about a lose, like losing streaks like this. The players get asked about what's the emotions. I think Cam Atkinson was asked about it. Like, what's the emotions? Like, is is it mostly relief that you just to finally win a game? And... He says he says a little bit of everything. That's what Cam Atkinson said anyway. But I would like have asked Carter more along the lines of because and Carter got asked this like more to more along the general terms of for the team. But I would have had to ask personally, you know, when you've gone that long personally, like you're not playing poorly. You've had one game that kind of went off the rails, which, you know, during the whole losing streak, which you were shorthand massively shorthanded for. So you were an AHL team, right? So you were going to be hung out to dry regardless. But. When you're playing, like, he's the one in goal on Monday. It's 1-1. You've given up one goal yep. with four minutes left. Yep, and then you give up a second, and then the third's an empty netter. Like. Right, so, like, you're, in a, you're, in, you're like, locked into that game. Yep. He was, I, he, I believe he had started the game in, against Columbus. It's a 2-1 game. You gave up two goals, and you didn't win. You gave up, you know, the, the late, late, I think, the Ranger game, you know, 3-2 final, and you're leading the game with 10 minutes left. It's 2-1, yep. you're playing well, and then two mistakes, and they end up in the net. And it's not, not your mistakes, right. team the mistakes. The team in front of you. Right. Like, you're, like, that's the way that that game comes. And even the Boston game before it, you're down 2-0 before you can blink, before you have a shot on goal. And you come back to tie the game, and you end up down 3-2. You play out of your freaking mind during that game. He sure did. I mean, but even even yesterday, they took forty shots on goal. He ends up allowing three goals. You know, which, you know, it's not the same thing as the one or two that had kind of been going. You know, kind of been trending a little bit. But when you give up but three, he one very of them quietly, very quietly puts up another stellar performance. Right, but it's got away on you personally when you have a personal losing streak that goes along with the team's losing streak, where you haven't won a game, but you're playing well enough to. Right. Like, is there something in your mind that goes, you know, finally, you know, and you can, you know, take some relief in that. That's another piece of it, you know. 
for sure. That's so. So he's been great, obviously, and yeah, Carter Hart has definitely not been the problem, and. I think uh, we both agree that Carter Hart is one of the players that is probably untouchable, probably not going anywhere. So I don't, and, and I've heard mixed reviews on this because there was a lot of people sitting there going, and, and we might as well shift, to, or we're going to start. Yeah, I think it's time to start heading towards this press conference here. You know what? Do we really quick want to also touch on this really fast? Oh, yeah, sure. Keith Handel broke the record. We've been talking about it for weeks. He sucks. He should be out of the lineup next. Okay, I wasn't going to just gloss over it with, with that, but okay. <laughs> Congratulations. It's a, it's a great effort, but on merit, you should have been scratched no, right, 80 on. games ago all right, hold by on a, a different team. Well, hold they on attempted to scratch you until the locker room mutinied. Well, right, Why would they try to scratch you? They scratched you as soon as the playoffs started. Sorry, I'll let you go. No, because here's where I'm going to be at with it. It's in, he plays so he's now played nine technically nine hundred and sixty six in a row, but he got to nine sixty four on Monday night to, to, to tie it nine sixty five on Tuesday to break it. The thing that kind of stands out to me about it, and this is why when I was asked about it on the radio too, it was like, uh, yeah, it's, it, look, I, I know he's had a rough year. I'm not denying that. It's still impressive to play that many games in a row. The other part of it to me that's impressive is the fact that, you know, he was an all star level player. You know, yes. Like, yes, Keith Yandel had a great for, NHL well, career. For, for a streak that started 13 years ago. Yep, absolutely. So, so when you start flashing back to 13 years ago and you're going, he's playing out in Phoenix, and then he's with the Rangers, and he's an all-star level player. He was still an all-star player at the beginning oh, yeah. of Florida. Like To go through that many games and have some really good years in the middle of it, it's not like he was just some average guy who was oh, like... I don't in, take anything away from the career Keith Yandel had for right. a solid t- 10 years. Well, and look, we're not going to, I'm not sitting here trying to deny the fact that this is just going to go down as a year, like this one year in particular is going to go down as one that's not great and it doesn't have a lasting impact on the Flyers organization. Like his career is defined by the years in Phoenix and New York more than it is anywhere that's else. Fair. I mean, even, even Florida to an extent doesn't have the same kind of weight because you started to see like the end was nearing, you know, when they tried to scratch him and the players need. <laughs> either way you know all right either way because here's the thing there's people who are going to sit there and go okay he got it now now scratch him they're not going to and i'll tell you why they're not going to it has nothing to do with his performance they don't have bodies well and phil kessel well i actually don't think that has anything to do with it because i think that getting there was enough they just gave him his moment he he played in the game he got honored in two different buildings Right. You know, on the he, like the night of, he gets honored. Just you know, on the road, right? And then they come home on Saturday, have the little ceremony before the game starts, and he gets honored that way. And his family's there, and that's great. Like that's the stuff that we don't see a lot of. And he's not even like like let's let's remember here, he's not even living with his family realistically. He's living with Kevin Hayes, right? Here. Like, didn't need to go and get like at this point, don't need to move the family. Because this was probably like uh, somewhere in the back of your mind, Kids it was, are in this school. was always no, but this was always like possibly a quick stop, right. you know. So that, that that's always a possibility. We always either, knew this wasn't going to be a long term situation. Right. Either way, it's just you know, uh, don't take away, like they had their two ceremonies. Yes, they could technically, theoretically, they've reached the point that they agreed. Like, I believe Thirty Two Thoughts had something on this, and I'll bring that. I'll it was pretty heavily. It, it was pretty like, heavily. It implied. was essentially a handshake agreement yeah. when he signed we'll that they were going to get him the record. As long as, well, and here's the thing: as long as, like, with what's in their control, 
as long well, as sure, you if, he, if he hits the protocol list, there's right. nothing they can as do. As long as you stay out of protocol, as long as you don't get hurt, they just didn't we'll test them. <laughs> they just didn't test them. That was, I, I know, Elliot Friedman made that joke, and it was really funny. Like, it, it was. Uh, it, that was pretty good. Um, either way, um, he gets, so he, now he gets it, like, they're not going to just call somebody up, or they're not going to have somebody back soon, like, soon enough that just makes this easy to change the lineup right you know what i mean so well he's still gonna play i don't know how long like like you're like i know where you're coming from with the kessel thing because yes kessel's closing in he's like got the record in his he's about 20 games behind keith yandel and performing at a higher level than keith yandel is so well and here's the he'll get it eventually whether it's this year i don't know like it could be whenever that day comes if he does get scratched this year then sure like it could happen this year, but if not, like if he plays through this year, it might be it might be retirement. Because right now the clock, like the competition, doesn't get any closer when right. both guys continue to play. Like, right, he's still like no matter how many times you try to swing it, he's no more than maybe one or two fewer games behind than at any point because of how much they play over another, but it, it all evens itself out in the end. For sure. That's the difference. So I don't know if it's going to work out that way. Like, I don't know if he's going to be able to get it. If, like if Kessel's going to get it this year, I think that I think Yandel's got a decision to make in the off season. Cause I don't know that there's going to be a ton of teams out there that go. We're re- we we're have to play this guy every night. I mean, let, well, let's re- let's remember too. He didn't sign immediately. He had right. been bought out. Some time went by. I don't know if that was Kevin Hayes or other people in the organization saying, hold out for a second because stuff's coming. Like, right. And then when the draft was over and the weekend, like the week of all those trades was over, then all of a sudden it was, here comes Yandel, here comes Broussard. And it was like, you know, and because Broussard didn't sign until like August. So it was right. late, you know, and Yandel was earlier than that. But everything was so late last year that it wasn't like there was much time. So he wasn't an immediate. That's the thing. So I think that that's something that's going to happen in the offseason. It's like he's going to have a, you know, a kind of Probably a, a conversation with his family. It, I think he should because I yeah. think that I don't know that the market's going to be heavy on him, even on league minimum deal. Like, I just don't see that the market's going to be that heavy on him. I, as I've said before, when it comes to where this team is right now and the, you know, and the, UFAs that they have that's going to probably be part of the offseason plan or the trade deadline plan. Listen, if you can turn this turn this deal, this contract for Yandel into a trade somewhere for a seventh like you did with Eric Gustafson a year ago, by all means, make it happen. Right. But don't, you know, but don't expect anything and you're probably riding out the rest of the year with him and at that point, yeah, like it will be over after that. Like he's not coming back beyond this year. It's just I don't know if you're going to be able to get anything for him, but yeah, you at least owe it to yourself to try, I guess is the point. So either way, let's get into the uh, bulk of the, let's get to the big story that we've been delaying for 30 minutes. Yep. <laughs> so real quick off the top, the big headlines from a player perspective are, is the news that uh, Ryan Ellis and Sean Couturier are both fairly likely to miss the rest of the season. Uh, there's a little more uncertainty, I think about Couturier kind of seems like Ellis is pretty definitely done for the year and well you know there's really not a whole lot to say about that 
All right, so I don't know how you want to take, like, I don't know how you want to take this whole thing. I, when I did takeaways, I went in order. Okay. You know? Um, like, I just started going down the rundown of what was said at the press conferences, all that type of, like, at the press conference, all that type of stuff. And I, look, uh, there were enough people out there who, I guess, I, let, me, let me start with this. Your opinions of certain people in the organization are going to be what they're going to be at this point. So if you feel a certain way about Chuck Fletcher or Dave Scott, you have an opinion already that's probably not going to change no matter what I say or anybody else says. Right. So if you like in your head, if him coming out and having something that was semi prepared, he didn't pull out a piece of paper to do it, but he gave a statement at the start of the thing. If I'm going to sit there and say, hey, that deserves credit, there's somebody out there who's going to come back with, don't buy that lip service. That's crazy. I'm not trying to say I'm buying everything that he says. What I'm saying is is that on Monday, the press conference announcement was Chuck Fletcher's going to give his mid Wednesday morning at 11 o'clock. All of a sudden, there's a second microphone set up, and Dave Scott's there. That was not scheduled to happen in any way, and the guy showed up like somebody from an ownership group should when your team has just set a franchise record for losses. Yep. So he did what he should have done. Stepped up there, did not he did not sit there silently for the whole thing and let, <laughs> no, and let, no, he did not. And let Chuck answer questions the whole time. Like and and, and I don't mean like He was not there for management oversight. He was there to participate. He was there to participate, but to his credit, it wasn't like he was there to participate in terms of I'm going to piggyback off the questions for Chuck. Right. It's there were people straight up just asking him questions and he's going to answer them. Yep. You don't have to like his answers. I certainly didn't in multiple situations. No, we'll get into that. But he was there. Like it, it, it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. Because here's the problem: you can sit there and go, the statement at the beginning is total lip service. He spoke too much. Blah blah blah. If he doesn't show up at all, then you are upset that you have a completely silent ownership group that's just going to allow it to happen. And they make Chuck Fletcher and Mike Yo, who speaks after every game, obviously. They're the two guys who get up in front of, you know, who who are the actors, if you will, who get up in front of the theater every night or, or however often. And they're the ones who do the performance while, the you sit up in your, while you sit up in your comfy little booth and hide away. And you're like, that's that's the, that's the counter to it. Either he, he could he could not say anything. He didn't have to be there at all. But then you'd be critical of that and say, where are you well, at team? Where are you at? The team just lost 13 games in a row. Why are you sitting on your hands and not expressing the same type of frustration and anger that we have? So that was what I appreciated. His opening statement was, "I like, this isn't what anybody signed up for. I'm angry. I know you're angry. We all know how bad all, this sucks. Well, <laughs> basically. But it was that type of stuff. And I, I need to go back to find the whole rest of it, too. We're sick of losing was in there. And I can tell you I'm angry. I know our fans are more angry and the whole organization more than angry. And the whole organization's angry. We're sick other, of losing. But, but, we talk about this every day. We've got to figure out how to write the ship. But, we have a winning culture going back to Ed Snyder. That's the important line Yep, right there, because after everything that's gone on in the last two months, let's call it. To bring Ed Snyder's name into that, and again, I know, he's probably got some thoughts in his head as he sits down because he's going to make a statement, but you needed to acknowledge that. You couldn't just sit there and say, hey, listen, yep. I want to make a statement. 
you know, this is like we're sick of losing. I'm angry. You make a statement that includes Ed Snyder, like, hey, this is our like this is the culture we've had going back to his time. We we were known for going for it and being successful. We don't have losing streaks like this. We right. don't have situations. This is not who we are. We don't have situations where the rest of the league is laughing at us. And the other important thing that he did, which again felt genuine, honestly, he apologized. I want you know, apologize to the fans. This isn't what anybody signed up for, and we know it. And I'm sorry. Yep. Like what? You know, I, last thing I expected was an apology. Like. The, the stuff at the beginning, yeah, maybe the stuff at the beginning is a little bit of lip service. We're sick of losing. I'm angry. I know you're angry. All right, that's fair. I, and I if he nailed the fake corporate apology, great. <laughs> sure. But that's like – now, and I didn't write this in takeaways because I – to be quite honest, it wasn't worth my time to even give it you know, any more than what it already was. But the two things that were a little off base from the beginning – was then Chuck Fletcher used piggybacked off of the opening statement from Dave Scott to congratulate Keith Yandel. That could have waited until later. Yep. And and the little nudge nudge from Dave Scott to Chuck Fletcher about that was a bright spot. And how about how about Jerry Mayhew too? Like, dude, nobody is excited about a, about an AHL life or scoring a couple of goals during a thirteen game losing streak. We get it. You've watched the team. A couple of times, <laughs> right? Like that. Those things. Th- that's the stuff that feels fake. That's right. The stuff that feels. I'm gonna throw out a name just to throw out a name to make it seem like I'm still paying attention. Right. And like for I, all I, I know, you watched a highlight clip of him scoring that goal five minutes before you stepped in front of everybody. Right. Like, I know we're. I did not need the Jerry Mayhew mention. I know we're comparing apples and oranges here, but Ed Snyder would know who Jerry Mayhew was genuinely. Yes, but see. Here's the thing about the like those years, like the really, really good years under Ed Snyder. Let's just yeah, say. prime Ed. He would he would know who Jerry Mayhew is and would be able to reference him because they'd probably be getting the most out of a player like that. Like well, they and he'd that. and he'd probably get be getting paid about two and a half million dollars too. Well, maybe, but like here, my point being, they used to have teams that got hurt a lot, that dealt with crazy injuries, and they call up. You know, I'm going. I'm going to dip back into the old phantoms here for a little bit. But they'd call up Peter White and, and Mark oh, Gregg and like guys like that to try oh, to Peter fill the White. but to try to fill the void for a few games, and they'd still win. Yep. Because it didn't matter. And Peter White would have two assists and be plus four. <laughs> I mean, they'd have kids coming up who like you know like didn't get a ton of playing time and like. How about the years when it's like, you know, Stefan Ruzicka and Ryan Patolny were filling the void vineyard guys and Man. and they're doing OK. Like, that's what they used to be. So, yeah, sure. Ed Snyder was going to know who those guys were, because at the end of the day, you know what you got at the end that everybody cares about? You got the W. Yep. You know, I, I like I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think I needed the mention of an AHL lifer who's, by the way, only been with the organization for this. I believe this season or this and last. Right. Either way like for the last year or two and is giving you goals when nobody else is because nobody else is. (sighs) And that's not a knock on Jerry Mayhew, by the way, like in terms of, do I appreciate that the guy's playing with some hustle and heart? Some jam. Like kids playing with some jam. He's out there trying his best for what he is and he's doing and he's making some things happen. 
but I didn't need to mention right off the top of the press conference. It was know? it was Just that was very fan service lippy. No, for sure. It wasn't even that because to me it was like if Just, no if if you're gonna sit there and say it was a shame that they lost the game to the Islanders in overtime, which didn't I know it didn't happen. But if it's an overtime loss and Claude Giroux scores with five seconds left, yeah, I don't mind if you point out, hey, the captain's still delivering. You know, yep. hey, did you see what Giroux did last night? That was a bright spot for a moment. It felt like it was gonna find like. But I we don't need to have... shine a light on the fourth liner who's overachieving. <laughs> The worst part is he's not even a fourth liner. <laughs> like they got him playing third line, which you know the bottom sixer. Yeah, the bottom sixer who's an. Uh, that's why I said he's an AHL lifer. That's what it really is for sure. Oh, all right. So let's jump from that portion of the press conference to the part that you just brought up because that was the very first thing that was really asked. And in the early going, I didn't think there was anything crazy out of the ordinary. You get asked about guys like Couturier and Ellis. What's the deal? What's the you know injuries? All that type of stuff. You got a pretty straightforward answer, I thought. You know, it, it could go sure, either yeah. way. It like, and by saying it could go either way, I actually don't like. I don't think it's fifty-fifty. I think it's more towards they're not coming back than otherwise. It's just a way to cover your bases on everything. Like the the irony was is that I think Couturier skated with a rehab group like right this like the day <laughs> after this press conference. Okay. Well, and um, if he wants to come back for a couple games at the end of the season just so he doesn't have 10 months of between no, see, games or whatever yeah, it is. I don't think that's worth it at all. I mean, the only one that I saw argued a little bit was if you want, like if Ellis could come back to play maybe like 10 games at the end of the year so you see what you have with him and Provorov, like kind of like an extended preseason. Okay. That part, because he's had such limited time. Like, you know what Sean Couturier gives you. That's fair. You know, there's no reason to act like you don't know what he's going to give you one way or the other and to try to do any more damage to this. I would do the same thing with Kevin Hayes. Just shut her down. Like, it, Fair enough. It, the year should be over for those guys. For Ellis, I think that the choice is already going to be made. I don't think they're going to get any time with him. I think he's just going to be done too. And I agree. That'll be what it'll be. You know what I mean? Yep, not not a whole lot that's you can where, do about that at where, this point. Yeah, that's where it starts. So that was, I mean, that was a very basic, quick, quick little Q and A thing and all that type of stuff, and that's the way it is. Then we get to Claude Giroux. Again, I didn't think that anything that was said was out of the ordinary. Nothing here was surprising. Have they had the discussion? No, they have not. Is it something that they're like thinking coming about? Up on? Absolutely, yeah. it is. And I, I, I know that you know, I know that Fletcher's thinking about it because. How he had an answer you, ready. Well, but how do you not? You know yep. what your team is. You know where you're going to be. And he knows, you know, at this point. Like, Giroux even knows. The key sure. is, y y nobody, like, y you You also deliberately, especially if you're in Chuck Fletcher's situation as a general manager, you deliberately hold this conversation off a little bit because it's January. At yeah. the time we're talking, you got two months until the deadline. You do not have that conversation and start to make it look like it's a given, which then takes your leverage away. You know, you don't do it two months out. You do it like a at couple this point. You're out. not doing it until at least after he plays his thousands game as a flyer. I no, I don't know. I don't mean, a... no, because I think behind the scenes you're doing it. You know what I okay. mean? Like, like behind the scenes, you're definitely pre approaching this subject. Like right. Well, and not, like not until March hits though. Like and the most important thing. Ridiculous. The most important thing, and Chuck Fletcher said it in his answer, is essentially that Claude Giroux holds all the cards. He has a full no-move right. clause. He can, he gets to, you know, 
but, but this Leonidas is, thumbs up, thumbs down, just any trade he wants, and he gets to decide where it goes. It. But this is the thing about it, because, yes, absolutely a thousand percent correct. But what it also does is it kind of, I don't want to say it deflects anything here, but if if nothing happens, if Claude Giroux does not get traded at the deadline for some reason, it really takes everything out of the hands of the other people. This is Chuck Fletcher saying it's not my fault. Kind of in a way, because like the point being, if Claude Giroux is still on this team on March 22nd when the deadline is over, it's because he decided to still be here for whatever reason. Yep. And I'm not, I, I don't want to make it sound like he has no reasons at all. Like, you've got family here. You've, you literally, your kids have been born here at that point. You've been the captain here for a decade. Like, if you want to do the whole career as a flyer thing, you should have the right to. You know, we're talking about you on the franchise Mount Rushmore at this point. Like... You know, you, you, Claude Drew has the right to make whichever decision he's going to choose to make. If he wants to go try to win a cup somewhere and get traded to Colorado, hi, uh, or any number of other teams, he should have that right. And if he wants to stay and sit in the misery with all of us, then he should have that right too. Well, and he does because he, that's what the no movement clause is for. He has Absolutely. no reason to one way or the other. You know what I mean? Like, if it's his choice, it's his choice. But I think the competitor is going to come out at some point here where the, the realization's there. I think it's already there a little bit. That this is his opportunity. It's not just that it's his opportunity, though, because I don't think it's his only opportunity. Like, he could pick any place he really wants oh, yeah. to go at the trade deadline for the trade deadline market. Um, And yet, that doesn't have to even be the final destination. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he could end up somewhere completely different the following year and have a shot there. See, that's what's weird to me. So, like, I'm, I've am i come to grips with the fact that we're going to trade Claude Giroux. I, I, I get that that is the most likely and probably the most beneficial circumstance. But, man, every, every scenario I have, every scenario I visualize where they yeah. trade him somewhere... He resigns back in the off season. He yeah. comes back. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can visualize that all you want to. I can tell you, they never come back. I, like, don't say never. Thomas Bukanich did it like three years ago. For how many games? It's okay. That's okay. He came back. No, my my point is is that that's the people, those guys who resign and come back, come back for like almost a one day contract. Yeah, like, I know. They come back to have that last moment. Like and I think look, I do I think that that actually would happen? Yeah, actually I do. I think he would come back and retire here. If he was 36, 37 at this point and they were trading him for like a Ray Bork chance to win a cup, he would come back and sign and play a couple games and retire and that would be fine. I don't know about that, but like yeah, I like I think he cuz I think if he won, he would just be done at that if he was at that stage of his career. Like right now he's 34. He's got time. Absolutely. Like it's not like he's got no years left. And you know, I think that there were, one of the things Chuck Fletcher said at the press conference about him is mostly correct at this point with him. He's first of all, you, it's a delicate situation in the sense that you're not talking about an average player here. You're talking about a franchise icon. He's the center of your franchise. 
He's been around forever. He does get included in the discussion with all those other names because of the fact that that's where he ranks in a lot of categories. Games played, assists, points. Like, he's done it all with your team. Yep. So he, you have to acknowledge that. It's... As far as I'm as far as I'm concerned, the Flyers franchise Mount Rushmore is Bobby, Bernie, Ed, Claude. I don't know. That's a tough one. There's a lot of I mean Bernie Bernie stole you your two cups. Bobby's been in your franchise for sixty years. You don't want to put Billy Barber up there? If there was a fifth spot, it might go to Billy Barber. I have a but with, with I, the I, four I, I got I'm I'm stuck. I hate I'm see, I hate Mountain Rushmore's for that reason too because like to me here's the other reason I hate it like I know I'm not saying that you're wrong to say Ed Snyder's part of it. I, I I've talked about how the culture has. If already you're staying on the ice, I go at Lindros over Barber. You see, there you go and see, but Lindros probably belongs there. That's what I'm saying. Like you're gonna have a time trying to figure out. But the bottom line is is that the guy defines a certain era, right? Yeah, for you sure. Have to, uh, my thing with him is that. He's going to get to a point, but whenever the trade does happen, that there's a good, there's a chance. I don't want to make it a given because he missed three games earlier, and he doesn't miss for anything. He's missed with COVID. That's the only reason he's missed three. He better not miss. Three, four years. But he's, like, really close to teetering the line where he'll hit a 1,000 games played and then probably get traded. Like, it's really close. I've already kind of laid that out there on a previous show. But he's also going to get to 900 points. And I think he's only something like – I'd have to do the math in my head a little bit because he had another assist on Saturday. So I believe he's seven or eight away from okay. 900. Like he's really closing in on it. And if that's the case, I'm actually going to look it up really fast because okay. it's worth looking up. Um I mean, we're only talking about the the one player who's been the constant for the last whatever. He is at eight ninety three, so he is seven away. Seven away from nine hundred. Nine hundred. Wow. Now, if he gets traded at the deadline, obviously he is not reaching a thousand here. But he'll probably he's like he's got three more years left after this, bare minimum. I would say he's thirty four. There's no reason to think that the guy who's missed only what five games or six games in the last handful of years all due to being on a on in covid protocol right the guy has been an absolute workhorse right there's no reason to believe he does not have some time left so he'll chance and by the way if he has say three years left let's just say it's three after this year not only is he going to get seven more points this year to get to 900 easily because there's right. you, you still got close to half a season left he'll get seven points he'll probably get at least 2025 pretty easily oh for sure right so think about it. He's going to be on track that wherever he plays down the road, wherever he gets traded to, A, and then wherever he goes beyond that, a thousand's on the table easily. He's, he's got the time. Th- he's going to reach a thousand points on top of a thousand games, on top of what, what else would be missing. All that's missing is a ring. So if he goes somewhere and wins, if he goes somewhere and wins, Claude Drew is a Hall of Famer, one hundred percent. There you go, and that's all I'm trying to say. Like I yep. know people think of him off the top of their head and go, "Nah, he's not a hockey." Uh, he's no, he's no, Hall of Very Good right now. Well, yes, but think again. If yep. he gets a team to a cup, helps helps them enough. Oh, man, 
he doesn't even need to be, I don't even think he needs to be like an anchor on a cup. He doesn't need to be, for example, the guy he was in the 2010 run. Um, all he needs to do is get the ring at this point. Because when you look back after his career, you're going to look at his career and go, oh, and he also got a ring. Okay, he's in. Right. That's And that's the point I'm trying to make. Like, But any of these teams, we talked about Colorado. We talked about Boston before. Uh, Minnesota is a team that's rumored to be involved. I know Elliot Friedman was talking about it the other day. There's a few. I mean, Minnesota's probably yep. going to be involved. I believe I've seen Calgary come up. Let's put this way. I'll tell you who's going to be involved. Truthfully. Okay, the, it's not going to be the Penguins. <laughs> no, probably not. But, like, okay. Then I'll, I'll amend the statement a little. I don't think Chuck Fletcher's calling Ron Hextall anytime soon. No, I agree with that. But I, w- I would say this. Here's what I would say, okay? And I'll amend the statement slightly because it's not going to be every single one of them. But if you're a playoff team or in the playoff race, specifically in the Western Conference, you're on the list of possibilities. Oh, absolutely. Like, like in terms of you probably have interest. I don't know if he has interest in you, but you have interest in him. Giroud to Anaheim? <laughs> I, I'm not going to rule it out. I don't think it's as likely as other options, but I do, I'm do. i not going to rule it out. You know, the only team in the West that I don't think can make it work money-wise. Vegas. Any way, shape, exactly. Well, because you already did you already did your work. Yep. And Jack Eichel, by the way, is skating and looks like he'll be on the ice within the next couple of weeks. Well, right. And there's your there's scary. Your, there's your trade deadline acquisition. Scary. Know? But, you know, and, and do I think he's going to go to a team that's like not quite as dominant? Like, I think he's going to go to a team that really has a shot. Like, I wouldn't even rule out like we've mentioned Boston before. I wouldn't rule. I like I don't think he's going to get traded within the Metro. So you can take those four teams out of the picture, I think. But you know what? Here's the thing. You're going to sit there and tell me Carolina is not crazy. Carolina is not crazy. If if you're not expecting him to resign there, and I don't expect Carolina to necessarily resign Claude Drew. I think they're kind of not all in, but kind of as all in as they're going to be. Why? Why? Why does that hurt you? Trading them to a a division rival. Like, if anything, you're taking assets from them. I hear you. Let's. If it's not going to be a long term solution, you know, you're not worried about playing them six times next year because he's not going to resign there anyway. Well, but you don't know that right now. That's fair. But... Like, like here's the thing: Do you want to send him to Carolina and have him enjoy playing for Rod, and then <sighs> you know? Here's the here's the worst part about it. I could accept that. I'd be happy for him. I hear you, but do you want? I to- hate it, but I. No, 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 that's, that's my point. Do you want him to then do that and then and then join, um, you know, and then join in like with their super team that's to be because Aho's turn going to continue to get better and Svechnikov's going to keep getting better and then they've got how many young guys who have already looked good who are going to continue to get better. So I'm going to throw something out there and you tell me if I'm crazy here. Okay. Toronto. <laughs> Not as crazy as you think, but I don't see it happening. <sighs> Tell me, it's one of the in... only. No, it's only. It's one of the only or... other Eastern Conference teams I actually can see it like happening. Matthews, Nylander, Giroux. Because I can't see. Because here's what. I, here's what. I'm they have about Michael this. Bunting on their first line right now. I hear you. I can't. Like here's what I'll say. I can't see it being Florida, like anywhere in Florida. I can't see it being one of these typical division rivals. It's not going to be the Rangers. It's not going to be the Penguins. Like it's not, it's it probably not going to be Washington. Although Washington would, well, 
yeah, although Washington would be an intriguing one because he did play for Lavi. Okay. So I wouldn't like I'm not gonna sit here and say it's definite. Like I, I do look like there's a lot of people who think St. Louis has a case because you know if the Islanders win nine of their next ten, look out. <laughs> I don't know about that, but okay. Um, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying if that happens, if they rattle right. off a bunch of wins and get themselves back in the playoff conversation, look out. All right. Well, anyway, let's get back to the other stuff. I, I'm not worried about what well, we have. We have months to do. Yeah, you're right. Destination discussions. Well, only because only because we're getting to like 15 yeah. minutes until the show's over. So we no, absolutely. The, we really want to get to the meat of this press conference and all this really crazy things that were said the really dumb things that were said yeah of. let's jump right to that uh I, I i did touch on this a little bit earlier in the show dave scott has mentioned an aggressive retool well i don't know about that that was chuck fletcher's thought. Oh, that was chuck fletcher i'm sorry dave scott said he doesn't see it being a three to five year rebuild uh, right 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 um but chuck fletcher did say they're looking to aggressively retool and uh, I did also want to mention the companion statement here where Dave Scott or uh, gave Chuck Fletcher his vote of confidence. You know, hey, Chuck's my guy. Well, or, that, that came yeah. way later in the press. Conference. That's why it's way further <laughs> to, down on my list. Than to me, it feels like a companion statement because Chuck eh. Fletcher saying that they're aggressively re- retooling to me kind of sounds like a guy who's looking at his job security and going, yep, we're definitely going to win next year. OK, so I, I'm, let me tell you a couple of things about where I am with with those lines because this is this is my read on them anyway um dave scott is going to say those things you know because well he's going to say those things because somehow somewhere in his mind he truly believes them but i didn't hear like i didn't hear it as much first of all i don't know how much of a vote of confidence it really is for chuck fletcher if i'm being honest I agree. I, I, look, do I hear I hear a guy whose job is safe for the rest of the year? After that, I really don't know, to be honest. I don't. I'm not sure if I like that's another one of those cases where I go, are we getting the whole truth here? Cuz I'm not a thousand like I'm not sold that we're getting the whole truth. Like I agree. On 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 one part of it. Another thing that I kind of heard was because I Chuck Fletcher took that aggressively retool line and then started to say the right answer kind of at least to me the right answer and then there was backtracking involved because then dave scott said the thing about the three to five year rebuild here's where i'm at with this he says aggressively retool what do we know aggressively retool to be a carbon copy of last offseason we're gonna make uh, we're gonna make hockey trades we're gonna Sign a few guys, maybe do low risk, high reward. Who knows what it is, but they're going to try to be savvy about it. It's an aggressive retool that means get ready to see seven, eight new faces again next season. That's kind of what big turnover. And and I, I, look, my my answer to those things is that's the band aid approach. That's yep. we're just going to slap a bunch of band aids on this thing and hope that you know it does. You know uh, you know what it is. You know that. Com- and I'm not going to say the, you know for sake of mm-hmm. argument. I'm not going to say the name of the product. But do you know the infomercial with the tape that's supposed to seal water you know i know of the infomercial yes and and the dude just slaps the thing on the side of something and nothing gets through and like it that's what it that's what that is to me it's we're gonna put that over the leak that that's in the system here and hope that the water doesn't 
penetrate and, and through this. Get the whole damn the whole thing dammed up immediately, perfectly. So, okay, Th- that's what I hear when I hear aggressively retool. That's the first problem. But Chuck Fletcher then says things along the lines of, "We don't have enough high end talent, top end talent." He's yep. right. We know it. We've known it for the entire year. We knew it last year. We knew it the year before that. Even like, yeah. Even the year that they made the playoffs, get the first seed, and go two rounds deep in the playoffs to Game 7. We're still sitting there at the end of the year. There's not enough high-end talent. Well, there's not a game-changer when you're down to it. When it really came down to you need a goal. I think that's that's why I was on the uh, trade for Patrick Line thing so hard. Because he had that superstar it factor. Okay, here's the thing. Go over the last few years, whether they had preset destinations or not. And most of them did, right? right? You were on the Line A train. You're on the Matt Duchesne train. You're on the Artemi Panarin train. You're on every person who is out there as a scorer. You just want a scorer. That's yep. it. And you know, I like, think that's what you really want. Yeah, sure. And I think that's a big reason why a guy you mentioned earlier, Cam Atkinson, should be pretty yeah, invulnerable man. to this retool he should be here because he at minimum be vulnerable because he's a shoot first guy yes. At, yes at minimum he's a shoot first guy the, the issue is, is that again they're all over the place with what they say they're looking for they're looking for mobile players who can move the puck well but they also are looking for physical but they're also looking for shoot first so there's turns not, out they just want very good players right like the, <laughs> they want austin matthews but think about the okay. But think about the okay. Here's another train that everybody was on in the off season that the rumor was swirling, and I'm sure it, like did it have validity to it? Because sure it did. I I guarantee you it had validity because his name was out there all the time, and now it's not anymore because they're doing well enough that it doesn't have to be. But when the Vladimir Tarasenko rumors came out, you yep. know, and that's why I'm saying I'm not discrediting the report that you know it was Snow the goalie had it and Anthony Sanfilippo had it. I'm not discrediting anything about that i believe there was validity to the fact that the team wanted a player like that absolutely was willing to make a trade for him i don't doubt that for a second what i do wonder like not wonder but but that's another it's it's another train that you get on right like it's another guy who you get behind going oh yeah they could use a player like that they haven't had a player like that since and then you really have to start thinking who is the since is you know the since is it's Danny Briere, Jeff Carter, Simone Gagne. They have not had a player who goes out there and scores 30, 35, 40 goals a year. And ha- look, they've had guys who have scored 30. But is that sure. the is that the the complete nature of their game? No, it's not. Like I say Sean Couturier has scored has had a couple has, of 30 goal seasons. Yeah, and so has Claude Drew. Like Claude Drew had a 30 goal season three, four years ago. But that's not the whole story of his game, and everybody knows it. And it's not what he's leaned on for. That's the other thing. If Cam Atkinson, who scored two goals in Saturday's game, goes out and wins the game by scoring the third and has a hat trick, yep. you look at that at that point and go, what more do you say about that game for that guy other than he strapped them to his back and went out and scored the goals when they were needed? Absolutely. He scored the goals. Not he made a play. They've got playmakers. They've had playmakers. You're looking for that guy. And that's what he's been. That's why he's got, you know, it's why we're barely, what are we, three games past the halfway point, And he's got 17 goals. Pretty good. Like it's on pace you, for that mid thirties, low to mid thirties, but yeah. he'll get the, he'll get there. Yeah, yeah for he'll sure. He'll get to thirty. Like, and that's the thing. So that's what people want to see out of it. So you cut that. That presents the question: How do you get the top end talent? You draft it. Where do you typically draft it? The top five. Yeah. Now, 
I don't think this is the truth. Okay, I don't think they're going to have trouble getting a top five pick this year. I agree. I think that they are going to find like they're going to find themselves real, especially when it really comes down to it. Like when the deadline when passes, they start gutting the team, and you've moved a lot of these UFA players potentially. Yep. When yeah. Isaac Ratcliffe's playing 15, 17 minutes every night. Well, you got two things. One, they're going to gut the team of like guys who are probably not going to be here beyond this year. And then two, if you do really shut down Sean Couturier, Ryan Ellis, maybe Kevin Hayes, you know, what, some combination of the three. If you shut those guys down too, then yes, you're also sitting here saying they're on the team next year, but we're but you're you're stuck filling the void for the rest of this year, and you're going to be filling it with Isaac Ratcliffe and Jerry Mayhew and Max Willman and guys like that, you know, and that's what it's going to turn into. And they're not going to score on a regular basis. They might get a few, but they're not going to score regularly. Right. So that's what that's what it turns into. But so Chuck Fletcher starts saying all these things. This is how you get the top-end talent. It's usually built through the draft. He gets asked a question about, so do you bottom out? Meaning, kind of tank, I guess, is the best way to phrase it, which I've I've said multiple times. It doesn't... It, there's no guarantees. It's not a surefire way to make this work. That's true. Right? He says, the easiest way is through the draft. Historically, that's been proven year after year. Bottoming out, I don't think that's what we feel that we need to do. believe we have good pieces. Realistically... Couturier and Ellis are going to come back at some point or when they do, like when they come back, they're a significantly better team, all that type of stuff. And all that stuff can and be I don't good. necessarily disagree. Right. But but he sits here and goes, we need more top end talent and the draft is the easiest way, but we're not going to trade all 20 players on our team and try to get 15 picks this year. I don't think that's the right approach. Okay. Let me pump the brakes for a minute before we move to the next portion of the comments. Yep. He's right. You can't just gut right. the team. At every avenue, because right, we've seen it work nobody. for the Sabers. If you bottom out, you just have nothing, and it's you—it's so impossible well, no, to come back from that. But and in my argument, because I've heard the, I've heard this countered multiple times. Okay, you can have a team like you could sit there and take the Colorado route, the Buffalo route, whatever you want to call it, and have a bunch of years where you're not going to be very good. Does it guarantee a win? No, it doesn't. And Colorado nope. tried this, and what? And Colorado spent years drafting at the top and drafted names in the top ten, like Landeskog, Rantanen, McKinnon, and McCarr. That is the core of their team to this day. That's yep. the truth. Yep. Have, have they won a Stanley Cup? No, but I think their window is wide open for the next several years. To me, it's not even that their window is wide open for the next several years. My question was... Like my counterpoint to somebody going like they did it, they built it this way, but they haven't mm-hmm. won. And my counter is, do you ever question if they're going to be in the running, though? No. And that's, I think, what people really want. People at the end of the day are not sitting here saying you're going to have like they, they just want a puncher's chance. No, no, now for this to be a complete success, does Colorado have to win a cup? Yeah, they do. To be fair, I think Colorado is pretty, uh, pretty all in this year. And oh, I agree. Of, part of the reason is Nazem Kadri's on pace for like 113 points or something but, ridiculous but like is, that. But the thing is, do they have to win at some point? Yeah, they yeah, do. yeah because for it, sure. Because you don't, you're not a success if you don't find a way to win it in that stretch of time. Like you, if you if you spend 10 years drafting all these names and then but, don't make it. What's the point? Then you then it's a waste of an entire era. You don't you don't get a smaller cup for second place or third now, place or fourth place or you know wherever you top out at. So I hear so I hear that answer and I hear a guy who is kind of sitting here saying, in theory, I know the right way to build it. Yeah, I don't think we need to gut the whole team, which I agree with. But yeah, 
you kind of have to be bottom five to get there. And it might mean that your team with a few guys who can make your team better aren't going to be very good. Right. Like, Look at what the Rangers that, did. The right. Rangers did that kind of aggressive two, three year. They drafted Kako and Lafreniere. They got gifted some lottery balls. And they sure look like they're turning around I, to be very good very quickly. I think the translation on something like that is, no, you don't bottom out and you don't do it on purpose. But if right. you naturally are going to be a team like that, even with some good pieces, the best that is the way to do it. That's the way to build your team back up is well, you're going to get high draft picks and you do it naturally like they are this year kind of. This yep. year, they're not going to win a lot of games. I mean, look, did they win a game on Saturday? Yes, they did. Know how many games they've won since mid-November? Six. <laughs> Like, like that's what I'm trying to get at. So that stuff's all well and good. Until you get to Dave Scott with the, I don't see it being a three, four, five-year rebuild, and I'll tell you what, what worries me about that statement. Not that you don't see it being that way, because there might be a way to do it. There might be a way to get back into contention faster than everybody wants to believe. Sure. Even if it is three years. That's probably still faster than most people believe. Here's my problem with the statement. It tells me a thousand percent over that the guy who was like the Chuck Fletcher's going to sit there and go, yeah, the best way to get top end talent is through the draft. And that's, you know, certainly a method to do like to build, I guess, building it back. He didn't say that specifically, but he's kind of admitting the method to building it back up is through the draft. Sure. And then you got the guy to his right in the press conference who's sitting here talking about writing blank blank checks. That tells me that Chuck Fletcher is a pawn. He has zero control over what they, they really want to do. Because we know what's going to happen is they're not going to sit back and build to the draft and blah, blah, blah. They're going to write blank right. checks. Like, for everybody who wants to criticize, oh, I wouldn't want Chuck Fletcher building the team. But you can have, look, you can believe what you want to believe about Chuck Fletcher in a lot of ways. And I know that the group chat, you'd send over the clip from the Steve from Steve Dangle's pod about how it's Chuck Fletcher everywhere he's gone. Like, look, Minnesota got good the second he left, blah, blah, blah. Like, you can sit there and do that stuff all you want to the end of the day because he sits there and he goes all he does is throw money at problems do you see the problem here though the owner next to him or the ownership representative next to him said i'm gonna write a blank check what do you think he's gonna do yeah he's gonna like like steve's thing was loading up the money cannon and just launching it at people they're gonna the owner just they're the representative of your ownership group just said here's blank checks you know how i knew chuck fletcher was a pawn <laughs> Why was Ron Hextall fired? Because they didn't agree with Ron Hextall. Thank you. And because Ron Hextall wouldn't let them have on input on what was happening. The only thing that I don't agree with with that statement was is that if all they really wanted him to do was call up the goaltender and fire the coach, I don't know why you wouldn't budge on something like that. <sighs> I, th I imagine it was probably those were the straws that broke the camel's back. Like, I imagine... That things like drafting Nolan Patrick when, quote-unquote, all the scouts wanted Makar or Heiskanen, whatever. Right. I, I assume that, you know, th that sort of incident was not isolated, kind of given the track record that we've had. But, you know, I think we've talked enough about this miserable team. And, Kevin, you have a birthday to celebrate, so I'm going to insist that we head towards a wrap here. And if there's any sort of... We are. We're gonna, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to... Okay. We're going to go through the last few comments that I've got written down okay. and, and make it quick cuz like here's here's where I'm at with this. That was the big to me that was one of the biggest takeaways. Chuck's like 
and, and this this is where it does go hand in hand with the Chuck's my guy comment. Yeah. Of course Chuck's your guy because if you told him Chuck's a yes told, man. Well it, kind of. If you told him to go jump off the Walt Whitman Bridge tomorrow, he probably would do it. Like jeez. Oh, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Like it, it, you like it because it means you hold the keys to this operation. That's Listen, what you like about it if you're Dave Scott. Dave Scott's an executive. It'll be the Ben Franklin. <laughs> All right. So either way, here's a couple. Of, and that, see, that's one of the comments I still had to touch on. So there we go. We lumped it right in. This whole Chuck's my guy thing. That's why I'm not sure. Like at the end of the day, what you like right now is the collaborative view of everything. And maybe that's maybe that'll still be the case at the end of the year, but you realize you still have to make a change. I mean, I, I didn't necessarily know. say I loved it. I just said that I think that's what's happening. <laughs> Either way. So here's a this is where things really are going off the rails too in this press conference because then attendance gets brought up. <laughs> and Dave Scott tells you that COVID protocols have something to do with it and that every team in the city is suffering in attendance. No, they're um, not. The Sixers are second in the league in, at in the NBA. At 100.7% capacity. 100.7% of t- uh, tickets yeah. sold. Is tickets what sold, I'm sorry. But here's, but here's the thing. Yeah, 100.7% of tickets sold in a building that holds 19,600, let's just estimate. They're selling 20 grand a night, roughly. Roughly. Paid attendance at the Flyers game on Tuesday or a Monday, and I'm not going to use Saturday because Saturday's not a good example. Saturday, Saturday was a snow game. They get a pass Saturday, on it. Saturday was a snow game where they closed down. Credit to them, actually. They closed down the entire mezzanine level, moved everybody downstairs, and gave people free hot dogs, sodas, and pretzels. Like a friggin' high school game. <laughs> good on them. Anyway. I think paid attendance on Monday was 14,000-something. Which, and who, that's no, paid which, attendance again. Which is paid, which means you know, and eight, you, nine thousand in the seats. Eight. It was rough. It was. And there's a decent, you know, one, you know, one thing I, I hear nobody really talk about when they talk about this, and there's other like, like I, like I said, one of the, one that I listen to a lot. Like I, I do check in and listen to Snow the Goalie a lot because they have a lot of good insight to provide, and I listen. Hey, do you, to, do you listen, listen to O and B? Yes, I do, and I will be on there tomorrow make sure to check out that check them out follow kevin on twitter i was saving that for the true wrap-up because i yeah i'll throw it in there too but what no one's mentioning about the attendance either is that and i said this last last march it doesn't matter if it's flyer fans or not like monday's game yeah there might have been eight nine thousand people in the building fourteen thousand paid attendance and there's a noticeable enough amount of green when the Dallas Stars are in town, for the Dallas, Dallas Stars, Stars, not uh, not the Rangers who are right up the Turnpike, or the Devils, or right. the Capitals, or the Penguins, the Dallas Stars. But okay, so okay. I'm, However, you get the building full. So I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the stuff about the development thing. They put a lot of money and resources into development. Comcast throwing money at problem. Okay. No, this this is this is an area that I did want to address though, yep. because. Uh, Dave Scott talks about we have to continue to communicate with our fans. He brings up Valerie Camillo, who is the business operation side of this whole deal. Chuck is the hockey ops side. Right. So he brings up that we're trying to do we're trying to do everything and more. Uh, it's another area we're investing in. My job is to provide resources for both Chuck and Valerie. That's what I'm doing. All this type of stuff. My issue with the answer is this. You have to do better communicating with your fans. Okay, that's that's not a, a false statement. People are feel like the relationship's tattered. It's been severely. Don't release a crappy mobile game. 
Exactly. Don't on Monday evening, an hour and a half before puck drop. While 36 going, hours before this press are, conference. As you are about to tie a franchise record. You're at 11 games lost in a row. You're going for 12. It turns into 13 before it's finally over. And your business decision that night is, hey, check out our new video game featuring the mascot. Give me a break. Yeah, it's that's a read the room moment. Read the room. And and, and you know what? Yeah, read the room. Read the room that had 8000 people in it. Some of them rooting for the other team that's from Dallas. That yeah, doesn't even come here more than once a year. I'm really very, very curious what the crowd's going to look like on Tuesday. Probably not great. I mean, Probably not I will, great. I will sit there and do this for the rest of the year. I've done it for the last several games. I will do it for the rest of the year if I have to. I will take Tweet your pic- first period picture. Take pictures at puck drop every time around, just to show this is what it is. And like, I will do it the rest of the year to show that people do not care about this hockey. Yeah, game. This building is going to get empty. So, um, one other footnote from the presser that I'll just touch on. We I didn't even really write yeah. much of a takeaway about it, but Danny Briere's name came up. And he sounds like he's going to have an after, expanded after, role after nearly getting the Montreal Canadiens GM job. It sounds like he's going to have an expanded role. Um, something I wanted to mention about the Comcast thing, the communicating with the fans, the whole deal with the ownership group, all that type of stuff that I don't think was mentioned a whole lot that I do believe is a good point. And it was part of 32 thoughts um, that this came up and I didn't think about this prior. When the Flyers are good and they are the one of the teams in the NHL that draws a lot of, you know, they, they draw crowds every night. The building's pretty packed, all that type of stuff. Building's full every night when they're good. Let's remember that not too long ago, the rankings for you know, the, the, value, the value of franchises yep. came out. And the Flyers are sixth. Yep. And that puts them behind five teams that were in existence long before they were. And there is even one that was in existence before they were that is behind them at this point. Yep. The, the, the thing is, is that, and, and Elliot Freeman said this on, the, on their show, when things are bad in Toronto, in Montreal, in Chicago, and he didn't say all those cities, but I'm throwing them out. You're there extrapolating stories, a little bit. Yeah. Toronto, Montreal, Chicago, the Rangers. Boston. Boston. Well, in Detroit, let's just throw all of them in there because they're all in the top ten. Yep. We know this. The league, meaning Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, they're usually kind of wondering what's going on. Like, yep. hey, what's going on? Because they rely on the, the revenue sharing that goes on around the league leans on the teams that are the most valuable, the teams that they know are good for a certain amount. If and you need to know more about that, you can ask Brad Marchand on Twitter. <laughs> but if... The Flyers, who rank sixth in value and are usually packing the building pretty well, stay at the top of the league in attendance, things like yep. that. Certainly, there's an element to the revenue sharing. You know, but well, and the reason I want to say this is because I hadn't thought about this way because my answer to all this type of stuff is you're like by people saying they're not going, you've stopped lining the the pockets of pot, of Comcast a little yep. bit, right? Like you're hitting. That's what we talked about. You're hitting them where it hurts. The building has eight thousand people in it, nine thousand people in it. That's a problem to them, but it's going to also be a problem. I didn't think about that part where it's going to be a problem to the league, too, that goes, hey, you know what? When when revenue sharing with, with the way revenue sharing is, when revenue is good from the teams they can bank on it from, that's what makes the salary cap go up. And that's yep. what makes the amount of escrow in between stay lower 
because the league is making money and they can, you know, the players don't have to pay that back. Usually, like right now, there's still a recovery in process because of all the things for the last couple of years. But there's there's no restrictions here, realistically. Like you can't make the statement like we just talked about the whole COVID statement where, oh yeah, you know, vaccinations in, in the city and all that stuff and the policy and all. That stuff. It's not stopping people from going to Sixers games. So it's nope. not. It would not stop people from going to Flyers. Games. Not a valid you, excuse. Right. So you can stop. You yep. know, like you can just stop. So that's. <laughs> That's why I hated that answer. It's why I think that the idea that they don't think they need to rebuild this thing is a little bit delusional. It's a little delusional also to kind of hear the blank check. I'm writing the blank checks and and a guy who's basically sitting here saying, I'm the one holding the keys. I'm the one in the, in the driver's seat. I'm the one who's signing off on all these decisions. He's just, you know, you see that guy who's over here who actually has the label general manager. He's not really the one who's making these calls. Like if, he's if a pawn. Were, no, but if it were up to him, he would do it a certain way. And it's not up to him. Just like, just like at the end, the way Ron Hextall wanted to build it was probably not really up to him at the ding, end. Ding, 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 ding. You know, that's what I'm trying to get at. I don't believe that. Like, we make it out that Ron Hextall, it was his way or the highway, that's why he got fired. And I believe that to an extent, because he probably fought back. That's what it is. He fought back and said, no, we got to keep building it. Patience, patience, patience. This isn't the right and, way to do things. No, and in fairness, fans were kind of tired of that, too. They did want to see steps forward. But the problem is that what happens when you force the steps forward? You sign James Van Reams, like to a $7 million contract. You sign a Kevin Hayes, you know, to $7 million a year when... You didn't. You shouldn't have needed a guy to overstep what Nolan Patrick was go, was supposed to become, because he's not there yet and he's not developing the way that you hoped, right? I, like, I think here's the problem. Um, I think the fans got tired of Hextall because management told them to essentially because. Uh, Dave Scott's message hasn't changed. They've always been retool. We're a year or two away. We're you know we're two years away. We're two years away. Remember a couple years ago when the Rangers decided that they were, you know, blowing it up and they were going to yeah, essentially start over? They wrote the letter and their fans went, all right, all right, sure. I, I, we, we agree that we think this is what's best for the team and we're down to be, you know, not great for two years because we know we're going to come out better on the other side. Okay, and the problem with the New York Rangers in this case is – is hitting the lottery on multiple occasions. Well, sure, and Adam, Adam Fox decides, you know, he doesn't right. want to play for anybody but you. Jacob right. Truba decides he doesn't want to play for anybody but you. Or Jeremy Panarin decides he doesn't want to play for anybody but you. You win the literal lottery with Kako and Lafreniere. I, I understand. Right. I well, understand. And To the point where the only guys who they really have that sustain this whole thing are Kreider and Zabanejad. Right. That's about but, it. Hold, hold on. And then through your other drafting... Oh, by the way, you've got your successor to Henrik Lundqvist of all people. Like, right. You just dropped and the that other right guy in. who's also good enough to do it and probably is going to lose the job because he's just not quite as elite as the first guy. Right. Like you've got a good tandem of young guys you developed. Not to mention, th did they draft other guys outside of Kako and Lafreniere? Yeah, they did. Keandre sure. Miller is on your blue line. You made a nice trade, like a good trade at the time, to get Ryan Lindgren because he was not your prospect. You acquired yep. him, but you saw something and you go, "That's the guy I need to trade this guy." That was that was I think the Rick Nash deal to right. to uh, Boston. Okay. So Boston sends back Ryan Lindgren. You get a good prospect out of that. Your forward group, even down to. They've taken pieces who people think are part of their core. They traded Pavel Buchnevich last offseason yep. as if it was not a not a big deal. 
Like, yeah, we can move on from that guy, and we won't miss a beat. We just need to get, like, we need something different. And what do they do? Barclay Goudreau, Ryan Reeves, guys like this, we need size, more physical, tougher. <laughs> and, no, and, and it works. They're going to be right there at the top. Yep. But what I'm saying is if the organization had supported Hextall and thrown itself behind his kind of idea, I think the fans would have gone along with it a lot better and Hextall would have gotten a lot more rope. The problem also is is that, okay, I don't look when the Rangers put that letter out. How long did they envision it going? I think they pictured three or four years and it ended up being like. Right, but one was, bad season and one medium season. Right, but what was Ron Hextall's tenure? It was four years, and that's it, fair. You know, so when your message is, "Yeah, we're gonna build, we're gonna build, we're gonna build," now Ron Hextall had to tear down certain parts to start the build. So yeah, I like I'll give him a year pass there, and then he was in in the middle of his fourth season when everything really went down. That's fair. I think you saw some good things. And I think the team that ended up being, you know, one of the better teams in hockey well, during the 70 game shutdown well, season. Let's remember, let's remember the was comment. a Hextall team. Well, and let's remember, well, let's remember the comments from Bobby Clark too oh, regarding Hextall, because I think the alumni also kind of had a little bit of an issue with the way Ron Hextall was doing things, even as an alum himself. I think it's all and, intertwined. Well, that's, but that's why, that's why it doesn't go anywhere. You know what I right. mean? Like that's fair. It, What's different about the Flyers right now that wasn't the same in two thousand in two thousand ten? Let's say, and I'm not talking about like I uh, look, sure two thousand ten performance on the ice was better because Chris Pronger, hi. Well, oh, no, but you were in the Stanley Cup final. I'm not trying yeah. to deny that, but what I'm saying is, is that what's different? The owner really holds the keys to what happens. He signed them up on big things, and what's your typical goal? Go get the big go get the big fish, right? So going into twenty ten, it's go get Chris Pronger. Yep. After the fact, or two years, two years down the line, go get Ilya Brzgalov. Go get Brzgalov. We need a goalie. Go get Brzgalov. Trade and trade two cornerstones of the franchise potentially to do it. Yep. Right. So, trade. Crazy. You know. So so go get Brzgalov. So nothing's changed in that regard. Where ownership still wants it's go 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 go. Trade go. JVR for Luke Shen. Do it. Do it. Do it. Right. <laughs> stuff like that. But what also like? But what else has changed about like the alumni still has a big impact on everything that yep. hasn't changed and they do still make some decisions around do the old timers still agree with it don't everyone listening to this show knows my opinions on that so no but my, so my point is, is that yep. does it go anywhere does it ever go anywhere if if those things are still the same if the root of your if you if the root of your franchise and organization is the owner has the keys to making the key decisions whoever it may be and the history of the franchise is still heavily influential on today's game which it can't be like right. there's nothing wrong with respecting the history sure i think it needs to be done and i think that that's actually a thing that's disappeared too much in the last few years you're you're distancing yourself from the history because of the fact that you're trying to i mentioned this before it's the gimmicks it's the that's what it's going to take to get today's crowd in here and there's a lot of people out there that don't buy it right but what you're also seeing is that there's still too much of that input it's still too much of who who's the former guy and, and listen guess what it's gonna happen again because we just said his name danny briere is gonna get a significant role now here's the thing you can look at danny briere and say oh here here we go again another former flyer or you can be a little different about it and say it's not it's not bobby clark and paul holmgren being recycled it's a new again. generation it's here's a guy who's come up with today's game knows today's player played in the game recently enough that they communicate with today's player he can be an effective management person 
because right. he's been molded to today's game in a management role, not the other way around. You can't take a guy like Paul Holmgren or Bobby Clark, not that they, not that I think that they necessarily would, but you can't take that guy and say, come back and be the president of hockey operations over top of a general manager because no, because it's too old school. Now yep. you're going too old school. Yep. So that's the crossroads you're at. You've got an owner who is taking right after the predecessor, the founder of the team who yep. is willing to throw any money you can at it w within reason because you're stuck with a salary cap, which is always hurt this team. Yep. It, it always has. Absolutely. As soon as they put the salary cap in, the Flyers lost a competitive edge because they couldn't just write blank checks for everybody. That's how yep. that, that, that's the truth. Um, but on top of it, you're trying to bridge the gap with these guys. Like you're trying to figure out a way to still communicate with today's player to figure out what makes you a good destination for people who want to make you a competitor. Like that's why I'm worried about the bottom out thing. Like you think you're going to aggressively retool. You think you're going to make some good hockey trades. You think you're going to sign a few guys potentially. That's the plan. Like well, you're signing you Johnny Gaudreau. Well, I don't think I don't know if you're signing Johnny Gaudreau. That's my point. Like, here's my, but here's my point. Your intention is truthfully, and I'll reference thirty two thoughts again on this because they mentioned a specific name that I haven't said yet that I want to get to. Um, here's kind of where your plan is. First of all, the obvious part of the plan is if you're gonna sell, you're gonna sell every unrestricted free agent you've got. He's going like yep. if Giroux is gone, then you're also shopping. You know, and Rasmus Ristolainen is kind of a 50-50. He's the only him. one who's 50-50. Yep. He is the only one, but I don't even know if he should be. Like, I think you need to even, you know, chalk it up as a bad deal. You know, I agree. I, I think you ship and, him out. And, and, and get what you can back. So yep. you do that. You know, look at everybody else. Derek Broussard, um, Justin Braun, Keith Yandel, Martin Jones. Even if they're not great, just see if you can get anything. Can you get a fifth for him? Right. Done. Can you, that's why well, with Yandel, I said, do, do what you did with Gustafson last year. Get a seventh. Take a conditional seventh. I would take it either way. Um, you have those, so you have those guys. James and Reimstick is a buyout waiting to happen. I feel like everybody knows that, so that's probably going to happen. Then you have the kind of key question marks because, okay, Dave Scott and Dave Scott's not the guy who should be talking about it, but Dave Scott talked about the core, right? And he mentions four injured players at the moment: Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes, Ryan Ellis, and Joel Farabee. Joel Farabee, I'll give you a thousand percent over, and I don't. I think it was honest mistake that um, Carter Hart was not mentioned. By yeah, the way. I, I yeah. don't believe that, but I don't think it was a mistake that Travis Konechny, Travis Sanheim, and Ivan Provorov were not. I agree. I think that those guys are targets to be potentially moved. up for grabs. Yeah, and uh, th that's the give us a call, we'll talk, and if something really works out. I like. I think Provorov's the least likely of those three to move. I think okay. Kinect, I think Konechny is on the move, and I think that Sanheim is a tougher one. But I think if you're going to move a defenseman, you're going to consider moving. We'll see. Sanheim, and then with all of that in mind, the buyout of JVR and all the contracts you moved, and all the guys who aren't back, and if you trade a Konechny, let's say, with no salary retained, hey, right? Then you're. You're going from what I think lines up now is about fourteen million dollars in cap space to something like twenty. That's a lot of space. So then you're going to enter the free agent market with substantial money. Yep. And that's where the blank check comment comes in. And yep, you might look. You could try to throw money at Johnny Gaudreau and say, "Come play in Philly." And another name that somebody that, that Elliot Friedman brought up that was an interesting one, he brought up Nazem Kadri. That's said, a very interesting. And name. basically said, to an extent, 
this is the type of guy where if he gets to market, he's a flyer. Like, yep. that's pretty definitive to say without having a guy hit the market. Elliot the, Friedman does not say things that definitively very often, and he said it pretty like, – go will, listen to the clip. But I, will tell, but I will tell you this, by the way. I looked at that free agency list. It's not outstanding by no. any stretch. It's got, it's got a few nice names on it, but I think you're going to be trying to really orchestrate some key hockey trades here to try to – if you really want to just aggressively retool and not right. rebuild. But – Nazem Kadri was a name that did stand out a little bit, not because of his what he's doing production-wise, but just because of the fact that if you're looking for guys who give you points and you're looking for guys who play with an edge. It doesn't get much better than Nazem and you, Kadri. And, and you lack center depth, yep. which, which you do. <laughs> yep. That sounds like a guy I'd be targeting. I, yep. So I, I certainly see that. So, I, so at the very least, I look at that and I go, there's something there. Yeah. I can see that. It makes sense. So... That's that's I think where we'll leave this one is that you've got, you know, a lot of things to consider. I don't definitely think, a I, lot of options. I, I think that there was and, and I this is how I wrote it. I think there were elements of denial. I think there were elements of making a lot of excuses. They mentioned injuries multiple times. I don't want to hear about injuries anymore. Every team in the league has injuries. The Pittsburgh Penguins had eight guys out of their lineup at one point in time for one reason or another, whether COVID or otherwise. Yeah. And still won games and still stayed afloat at 500 until they got everybody back. And now they're a force that can't be moved. Right. Like, I mean, down to the point where I think they lost back to back games over the weekend. And it's like a shock to the, the, the hockey community. Like they lost. Oh my God. They lost to Seattle and Detroit in overtime and a shootout. So they still got points out of it, but it didn't matter. What are we going to do? You know, like, and there's other teams, like there's other teams that are way better, obviously. So absolutely. I, I thought that there were elements of it that were delusional as well, which to me, delusional being the same old, same old with the owner holding the keys to the thought that you think that this can be a, th- a less than a three to five year rebuild. I don't see it. Like I, I don't see you doing anything differently than, you know, what the era was before you got an Eric Lindros, which was yep. a few years of it being pretty rough until Eric Lindros came in in a lockout shortened year. Like, he didn't come in at that time. He was a rookie before then. But until all of a sudden in a lockout shortened year, that guy turned the league on its head and 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 made it clear his presence as an elite in the game was going to take that team somewhere. And yep. then and that year they made a conference final, and two years later they were in the Stanley Cup final. So there you go. And every year after that, for a while, they were heavily in contention. Yep. That's what you've got to get back to. And I don't know that they do it in the near future. That's well, the thing. We've talked before about the Flyers kind of heading towards the top of the draft. And uh, as we get closer to the end of the season, I imagine they're going to keep losing. Like we talked about a couple times, there's only one game this week. So <laughs> there's only so much damage you can do. But we will be back next week to talk about it. And, and I think we can talk more about this type of stuff too next week because we'll absolutely. have more time. Like th- th- this week, three games. The fact that they snapped the losing streak kind of changed the tune a little bit. So I imagine back. we'll be talking about this next week as well. Yeah, I agree. And. Um, because just because it'll evolve, there'll be more, and it, it feels like every day there'll be more stuff. You know oh yeah, mean? this so. is an ongoing story. This is one of those seasons where the Flyers are just going to be in the news all. Well, season. because the last, like, and you brought it up with the communication thing, the game, like yep. the mobile game, was the next thing in the line of the off ice things that I've talked about all season. Yep. You know, so that's where we leave it for now. But that's where uh, we leave it. So again, you know, next next week we'll be on, and uh, uh, Monday I'm recording with O and B. So yep. Yep. Uh, and a quick programming note while we're going through the schedule here. We are going to take that following week off Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, this is kind of the Olympic break, so we had a, b- a break planned in here. And 
quite frankly, we both need a break from this team, and Super Bowl Sunday seems like a pretty good time to do it. Did I, did I mention how much after yesterday that I'm like looking forward to the fact that I think there's what will they play four games in the next two weeks? Something like that. It's it'll be nice to have a little bit of a break. It's five over the next three weeks. Um, something was, like that. It was, it was like the uh, it was like the COVID break. Yeah. Uh, when that happened over the holidays, it was like, oh, that's nice that they were right over the holidays. But all right, we're on our way out of here. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, SportstalkPhilly.com. We're all over the place. Make sure to follow at Sports Talk PHL and at Flyer Delphia for all your Flyers updates. And uh, until next week, I don't really think we have much left. Happy birthday, Kevin. See ya. Thank you. See ya.